You took me out to the garage, had me close my eyes, and then all of a sudden you said, okay, you can open your eyes now. And there she was. It was a toilet for Valentine's Day. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Because nothing says, I love you, like a toilet. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today's episode is about our experience renting a teardrop trailer and camping in it in a few parks in Southern California. The show is a little bit of a comparison to our previous episode about RV camping. We wanted to find out if teardrop trailer camping is for us, and hopefully it will give you an idea of whether it's for you as well. We found that our enjoyment of the teardrop was dependent on a handful of factors, but we'll dive into that in more detail in the episode. And to kick things off, we talk about a few items we always carry in our backpacks. And at the end of the episode, we'll answer a question from a listener in our mailbag segment. So being the neat freak that you are, did you notice that this past week I got out all my backpacks and emptied them out and scrubbed them down and sorted through all the stuff? Did you see the piles? Yeah, I thought you were having a some kind of brain seizure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what, because why was... you were cleaning. <laughs> I don't know. Something got into my feet. I just felt the need. And you know what I found in my... The backpack that I usually take, I found a half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich from like a month ago. Oh, 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 oh. I have have done that. Mm -hmm. I have recently cleaned out my backpacks, and I have found half-eaten stuff. I've also found... The sweaty shirt that I always put a little, <laughs> a little uh, bag, you know, in my backpack with the, with clean clothes, and so when we get to the top of the mountain or wherever, and I change shirts, and mm-hmm. I put the old one in a ditty bag, and I put it in the bottom of my backpack. Mm-hmm. Well, a few months later, uh, you dig it out. Yeah, that's not going to go in with any of my laundry. Ooh. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it's it's salvageable. Yeah. You know, before I started carrying a backpack 10 years ago, I didn't understand your need to have like you had like eight different backpacks and I never could understand it until now I realized you kind of need different ones for different now, excursions. You know, some, right. Yeah. Sometimes there is a reason right. for what I do. <laughs> right. I have three now. I have my Everyday carry, the one that I like the best. EDC. EDC. But it's only for about, uh, I'd say like a three to four hour hike because it's not that big. And then I have that bigger one that you bought me if it's like an all day hike. And then I have the monster backpack for the backpacking trip. Now you have some things that you always keep in your backpack. So how do you do that when you have three backpacks? Do you like move it? Move all your essentials? Yes. I always keep them in the one that I use the most. And then if I'm going to switch, I switch them out. But that does get to be a hassle because sometimes, you know, you'll forget or you'll I leave something. I take everything out of my backpacks except the sweaty shirt that I leave in there for months and then repack each time, which isn't working for me. 
I know. Because then I forget stuff. Yeah. Although there's a few things that I always have. Plus, you know, seasonally, you have to bring different stuff, right? right? You have to bring extra clothes and you have to bring, you know, sunscreen or not sunscreen, bug spray or not bug spray. So, yeah, it's kind of a thing. But anyway, I got mine all cleaned out. I had, did you see how I laid out all the stuff on the rug and tried to organize it? Yeah, that's when I thought you were having a brain, <laughs> your brain seizure. <laughs> nope, got it all organized. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw that you had it all organized. and <laughs> You have some things in there. Like, I don't even understand why some of that stuff. I saw a mirror so that, like, you can always, what, check your makeup on the <laughs> on the hike? You know, what if I had to signal a rescue airplane for us if we were lost? Oh, that, is that what the mirror is for? So, so <laughs> when we're on the hike and you whip that thing out and you're checking your makeup, uh-huh. you're actually signaling an aircraft at the same time or well i could be i think that you shouldn't make fun of it because it could save our lives one day yeah um so yeah i'll make fun of it (laughs) it's one of those plastic mirrors from the travel store not the travel store from like rei that it's for the outdoors and so just think though like if you got something in your eye you know i mean you need a mirror right yeah yeah Right, right. Got something in your teeth Um, (laughs) and you you use the mirror to get it out of your teeth what I don't know. I don't understand. What else do you have in there? Well, you know, I have the 10 essentials, but besides that, I also have I never go anywhere without my corkscrew. It's that waiter's oh, friend corkscrew right. that folds up. You, you've bought like 20 of those in the, I, in the last 10 years. About one every 6 months. I know because every time we fly somewhere and I take my backpack, it gets confiscated yeah. by the TSA. Or you can just, you know, leave it at home. Yeah, it's, they consider it a weapon because there's a little foil cutter for the uh, wine bottle on there. And think so you they could think bring I a, bring a plane down with a corkscrew. <laughs> so, yeah, but I always have it in there. And think of how many times that saved us when we needed a, a beer bottle opener or a, or a wine bottle opener. I mean, yeah, it's, it's come in handy. I have a couple of things that I, I just I've always carried and I don't know why I carry them, but. They're like on certain essentials lists, like for instance, rope. I have a 30 foot piece of nylon rope that. You have never used that well, in the 12 years that we've been hiking. I used it once in the Grand Canyon to make a clothesline. Oh. And, and what I found was that it got tangled and it took me so long to untangle it that I ended up using like only like seven of the 30 feet. And so I made a seven foot clothesline and then the other 20 plus feet were just all balled up in the tree. <laughs> and so 30, you know, I don't think you need 30 feet. Well, like what, what what I need 30 feet of nylon rope uh, for ever? To lower me into some of those slot canyons. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so in other words, I could stop carrying the nylon rope. You know, <laughs> what, is, what does that look like? <laughs> Make some kind of knot and, and make a harness out of that rope and lower you down. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Okay, think of the times we've been turned back because we couldn't get down or up some of those dry pour-offs. So I lower you down, and now, now you're down at the bottom with my 30-foot piece of nylon string. Okay. Well, and then how do I get down? <laughs> I just jump. Your legs are a lot longer than mine. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll have to rethink that one. No. 
<laughs> I have other things that I carry all the time. <laughs> like what else? What couldn't you live without in your backpack? I don't know. I, I It's hard for me to take the Imodium AD out. Because <laughs> like when you need it, you need it. Yeah, that's, that's always there at the bottom somewhere. Mm-hmm. Although I'll never find it if I ever need it. I know. You've also shared it with friends in emergency cases. Yeah, sometimes it's mm-hmm. you, you put things in your pack for other people. Like our first aid kit. We have never once used our first aid kit for ourselves. I know, but you've patched up a lot of people I along have. the trails. Yes. <laughs> it's what I remember that lady and we were in Sabino Canyon and she was cut and she was bleeding and I like I was I was like you, a mash doctor. You were. And, yeah. Used <laughs> you, everything in my first aid kit. Uh-huh. You had the sanitary wipes out and you oh, were man. I'm surprised you didn't stitch her up with a needle and a thread. Well, yeah, but we still carry the first aid kits. I'm not even sure what's in our first aid kits. I mean, it, it, we could well, open them. Well, it's probably him. expired. <laughs> what, like the Band-Aids are expired? No, stuff like the antibacterial ointment and all the other stuff has expiration dates. We yeah. should probably, you should probably spring clean your backpacks, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. Get all the dirty clothes out of the bottoms. Mm-hmm. All right, we are recording <laughs> episode 10. Yay! I can't believe we're already on episode 10. Did you think we were going to make it to 10? <laughs> you know, it the, doing that very first one was a little rough. It was a lot of different takes. But... A little rough. <laughs> rough for our it's, producers. It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so much smoother now. That's right. We've learned a few things. So yeah, we're on episode 10. And today, today we're going to talk about renting a trailer and taking it to some of the desert parks in uh, in California. Uh, in episode five of our podcast, if you remember, we talked about renting an RV. And so the following month in February, we rented a trailer. Yeah, that year we were we were trying different things. So we did our RV one month, then we did a teardrop trailer, picked it up in the Las Vegas area, Henderson, Nevada. We found a gentleman that was renting rugged teardrop trailers and and we picked it up from him and did a swoop through the Southwest Mojave National Preserve, then Joshua Tree, then Death Valley, and then back to Las Vegas to drop the the trailer off. So this was a rugged yeah, I, I wasn't exactly sure what the difference was because it looked pretty much the same as other teardrop trailers that we've seen. Well, rugged is, you know, it depends on on the trailer, of course, but rugged generally means that the tires are a little bit rougher so that they can go on rougher terrain. The clearance underneath the trailer is a little bit uh, higher so that, you know, you can take it on uneven roads. And that th- this one was fairly Spartan. There was not a lot of, th- there wasn't much in it that could get shooken or or upended uh, mm-hmm. if, if you were going on bumpy roads. Uh, so a teardrop, the, the name comes from years and years ago, back in the, gosh, I don't know, 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, it was a popular type of trailer. And if you look at it from the side, it looks like a drop of water, a, te- yeah. a teardrop. They're so cute. They, they swoop. Um, back to to be aerodynamic and essentially on the inside it's about the size of a either a twin bed or a queen size bed depending on w- what size you get Our, ours had a queen size bed in it and in the back 
that there is a hatch that opens up and sometimes they've built in little kitchens with propane stoves and things like that. Ours had just a regular door and a few shelves. Right. There was no kitchen on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of the differences from the RV that we rented was this uh, trailer didn't have a heater and it's so small on the inside that there isn't room to do anything except for sleep on the bed or... What else did you want to do? On the inside. Why does your mind always go there? <laughs> I, I, well, I don't know. Like, what? There was nothing else. You could do was all ab- sorts of things. You could sit up. I and- was about to say you can change your clothes laying on the bed because that's what I had to do. You can like wiggle into your clothes while you're laying on the bed. And <laughs> there's no bathroom. And uh, as Matt just said, we also did not have a kitchen, all the things that we had in the RV. So it was definitely uh, more Spartan. Spartan and more primitive and more. Um, but it's very comfortable. I mean, it's a bed on wheels. And, yeah, it's a bed on wheels. And, and covered. So you, you there's zero setup time when you get to a campsite. Right. And uh, you're protected from the weather. Now, it doesn't, like you said, doesn't have a toilet. And I knew this when we rented. So um, for a couple of months, I was trying to figure out exactly like what was going to be our solution to going to the bathroom of course we're going to be at campsite so you can there's always yeah you know mm-hmm. but i did find a portable toilet and it was like so cool it's like like a briefcase it looked just like a briefcase but there's like three little legs on the bottom of this case that flip out and then this lid that opens up and then you have this like toilet seat and then they make these little disposable bags that that clamp into the toilet seat. And so there you mm-hmm. go. You can get anywhere you want. You just, just set up your little toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, you're not just going to like set it up in the middle of the campsite. You have to no, have like a little uh, tent <laughs> to go around it. So they make these privacy tents that you can, that looks basically the shape and size of a telephone booth. So you pop up your little personalized tent and, Put your toilet in there and then you have perfect privacy. I, I was, matter of fact, I was so proud of that, that that was your gift that year for Valentine's Day. I do recall because I remember several days before we left on the on this trip, you came into the house and you said, I'm going to give you your Valentine's Day gift early. It's in the garage, which should have been a warning sign right there when your Valentine's Day gift is in the garage, unless, of course, it's a new car. So uh, you took me out yeah, to the garage. Right? <laughs> I already knew that was it. You took me out to the garage, had me close my eyes. And then all of a sudden you said, OK, you can open your eyes now. And there she was. It was a toilet for Valentine's Day. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> because nothing says I love you like a toilet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you have to go, that's when you're going to appreciate it. You might not appreciate it now because you don't, you know, standing mm-hmm. in the garage. Uh-huh. But when you have to go. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of you yeah, every I time I sat on that toilet mat. That's like, I, I feel like you were unappreciative <laughs> of that gift. Uh, no, it's still, uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So we had that with us. Mm-hmm. So that was our, uh, that was our bathroom. 
So we had we beelined it from uh, the Seattle area down to Las Vegas in uh, early February mm-hmm. that year and uh, stocked up on supplies as well, we went yeah, down. Lots of uh, lots of snack foods and unhealthy things like we always do. So we knew that we would be camping either over a campfire. So we had, you know. We wouldn't be camping over the fire. No, I'm sorry. We, 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 <laughs> we would be, be cooking. cooking. <laughs> Thank you. We would be cooking over a campfire. So we had brought some pots and pans and things with us. Or we figured if, if we ran into bad weather, we could use our jet boil. So we had that as well. I love the jet boil. Mm-hmm, I know you do. <laughs> well, we got down there to Henderson and uh, we were going to pick this trailer up on a Saturday morning. Bright and early. Bright and early, mm-hmm. like 8 a.m. At, at the guy's house. Yeah, I think we woke the guy up. Yeah. Uh, as a nice gentleman who uh, had a few trailers, and that's kind of, he did this on the side, mm-hmm. rented them out. So we get to his house, and it's, the trailer's like uh, parked right, you know, next to his house. And we meet him, and he starts showing us everything that, that goes along with the trailer. I think he gave us, you know, some a camp table and he had other things like, you know, extra camp fuel and, and chairs and stuff like that. And awning, I uh, was asking us what we wanted. Um, so we decided on like what all stuff we needed. And he's like, okay, just, just back her on in to pick up the, you know, to, to hook up the trailer. And like, I'm not good at backing up. No, we, and, like, we discussed there, that. There was, the- <laughs> like, zero clearance on either side of it. It was on the side of his driveway. I had to go up, like, onto a sidewalk and, like, put the back of my truck right in the right spot without, like, you know, taking out the neighbor's tree or something like that. So that, that was a trick. It took me several tries to do that. And then we get it all hooked up. And he has his little checklist and it's like, okay, let's go through all these things and make us sign the waiver so that if anything bad happens, it's not his fault. And he, he says, okay, let's check the, check the lights. And I you know, get in the truck and, you know, press on the brake. <laughs> and I press on the brake. He goes, press on the brake. And I did. And no lights. So we went through this long mm. ordeal of, trying to get the electrical hookup to work. And yeah, and I, I, I thought for sure, like he's not going to let us take the trailer. Cause it, well, I know you can't take it without brake lights. And my heart sunk. Cause I thought, what are we going to do for a week? Go to Las Vegas. And, well, and, yeah, and, I guess yeah, we could have we we <laughs> checked into the Venetian and we would have been laying by the pool. <laughs> well, in hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, that would have been a rent, much better. We a cabana and <laughs> written a whole different book. But now finally, you kept saying, well, can't you just like smack it? I was underneath the truck trying to figure out, did my electrical connection come loose or something? And uh-huh. um, I hate to even admit this, but. But uh, <clears throat> yes, say it slowly and clearly so everyone can hear. Eventually I smacked it. And? And, it's, and it worked. It, and so what you're saying is. you That you had a lucky guess. <laughs> And then, so, our, then our vacation was back on. It was on because the brake lights came on. He smacked it and it worked. And, and, and then we, we start pulling away from his house. As he was a really nice guy. And he's like, okay, good. Well, and uh, as we're like pulling away, he's like standing right next to the, you know, the driver's side window. And I'm shaking his hand. He goes, have fun. He goes, oh, by the way. And he had, had a thick accent. And, and uh, he said, just remember, big, big, 
what, what did he say? He said like <laughs> feely big fins. <laughs> feely big fins this weekend. Feely I'm big like, fins. Feely big fins. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I was just so, was just so happy that the elect the, like, the brake lights work. We just pulled away and we just about five miles later, feely big fins, feely big he was saying really big winds. <laughs> like there was a cold front coming in. With and, really big winds. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he wasn't going to tell us that it's, until we were yeah. like ready to drive away. Until we had our credit card number. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. we went out to, uh, from the Las Vegas area, drove out to Mo- Mojave. I, I love the Mojave Preserve. I love it too. It's we've been there many times now. It's like there's nobody there. It's like nobody's home. It's it is like no one's home, it's, and it's you have huge. the place to yourself. Yeah, it's I I looked it up. It's one point six million acres, and and there's never anyone there. And they it has everything. It has sand dunes and cinder cone volcanoes and canyons and mountains and mesas and and no people. And so we should say if you like desert mm-hmm. areas that are deserted right and i and we do and mm-hmm. we like hiking in the desert if, if that's not your thing you would think like what what why the heck were, are we here but uh yeah we like that and there's one place in particular that we like going so we drove i-15 southwest out of vegas uh-huh. and once we get into california we take what the sema yeah, the SEMA road exit. Um, to the south. Right. In, into the park. Into the park. And that is spectacular, even if you don't get out of your car, because there are thousands and thousands of Joshua trees lining both sides of that road. In fact, it's one of the largest and densest Joshua tree forests in the entire world. I mean, there's probably more there than in Joshua Tree yeah, National Park. And it's a beautiful area. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. It's, it feels like you're driving through a Dr. Zeus book. It does. Uh, the uh, Joshua Trees are cool to look at. Yeah. So we were headed to the campground that we were going to. is called Hole in the Wall Campground. And we, we've never camped there before, but we've been there a handful of times because there's a really great hike back there that we like to do. And there is a... Um, visitor center slash ranger station that's open sometimes (laughs) seems to also be closed a lot so anyway that's where we were headed and good thing we had that rugged teardrop because there's a section of rough road that you have to go over to get there yeah and it worked great Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe the the rugged tires and the extra clearance helped but uh no problem getting over there. That's right. And now this particular campground does not take reservations. So I was a little nervous, like I always am, that what if we get there and and there aren't any, you know, campsites available. But sure enough, when we pulled in, gosh, I think maybe there was only what one or two yeah, other there weren't many people. Yeah, hardly anyone. So then we did the which campsite should we choose? Right. Where we pull into one. Oh, that one over there looks better. No, that one over there looks better. Well, the one we chose was one of the few that is like has a circle drive. That's oh, that's right. <laughs> so you don't have you to back in. Back so like in. that's like once I saw the circle drive, like that's it. That we're, was it. We're gonna stay here for the night. To the I guess to the south or to southwest is Barber Peak. Mm-hmm. And we've hiked that a few times. Matter of fact, on this particular trip, we got the teardrop situated and then we went on the Barber Peak Loop Trail. 
Yeah. And we could just go right from the campsite. Mm -hmm. So this Barber Peak Loop Hike is about, it's a little over five miles. And you can take a detour at the end and add on another hike called the Rings Loop, which is very short, but very fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's a little slot canyon. Mm -hmm. But it it goes, it climbs up, or you have to climb up, or I guess down if you're going in the opposite direction. So the Park Service has installed these metal rings into the canyon walls. And basically, you're pulling yourself up with some of the ones on the side, and then there's a few sort of in the middle that you can step on. So it's very fun. You, you kind of had to boost me a few times because my legs weren't long enough. It's a great hike. And that took us a you know a couple hours in the afternoon. Yeah, we, it was a little bit of a break from the wind because of the Barber Peak has kind of blocked the wind for half of the hike. But mm-hmm. when we got back to the campsite, it, the, uh-huh. it was still very, very windy. Matter of fact, we we get back there and I thought, well, we'll get some snacks out or something and, oh, yeah. and try, try to I, fix dinner. And I opened the back hatch of the teardrop and like our food went flying. Uh, it was it was just crazy windy. Yeah, I had envisioned that we'd get the chairs out and sit by the fire yeah, and have a no. beer and, and you know, cook dinner. Like I had this whole scenario in my mind and it was basically we got into the bed yeah, and, <laughs> in the trailer at like 4.30 in Yeah, the like what are we going to do now? <laughs> I know. And then we, uh, what, we made like peanut butter jelly sandwiches yeah. or something for dinner. Yeah, I think we went ended up going to bed at like 7.30 as soon as it got dark. We did. And then we realized pretty quickly because the temperature dropped like a rock. Yes. The inside of the trailer, it was nice and warm. And we we had thick blankets. And of course, I was wearing oh. like all my clothes. You had on a down jacket, mm-hmm. your wool beanie and your gloves. I think I left that down jacket on for about four days. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think don't, you did I never, yeah. never took it off. But we quickly realized that we had a choice. We had a choice of being warm or being able to breathe because <laughs> the humidity <laughs> went up so fast with our breath inside there. And there's a, there was a vent in the roof. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we, I opened the vent, there was something about the wind that was like howling through the vent that was making a really loud noise that was keeping us up. But it was providing fresh air. Mm-hmm. But then the temperature went down like another 20 degrees inside the uh, I know teardrop. So that, that was... Yeah. Um, uh, it, it was a very comfortable bed. The bed was comfortable, very cozy. And I did like that. So there are doors on both sides of the teardrop. So no matter which side of the bed you're on, you can climb in and out and those doors lock. So I, I it made me feel very safe that, you know, nobody was going to come in and bother us. And, and we were away from animals and and uh, tarantulas and snakes and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's, that's that was nice. a, that it's, was it's a nice plus. To know no, nothing's going to knock on the door. Yeah. One of the negatives, though, is... Having to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom because the bathroom was a little bit of a hike. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah, I don't know, maybe like 100 yards away, something like that, or maybe 200. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty far. I, I went, I was able to go pretty quickly went because it was, again, <laughs> you, you know, set it's the like speed record zero <laughs> degrees outside and 50 mile an hour winds. And, and it took me about 13 seconds to go to the bathroom. You were You were concerned. Well, I thought you had, when you left, I thought you were going to the restroom facility, but you jumped back into that trailer in like 20 seconds. Yeah, you're not supposed to pee like 
on the campsite itself. You know, <laughs> yes, you're supposed to use the right. facilities. But I, I can tell you for a fact that like I peed 10 feet away from the trailer and it never hit the ground. <laughs> like it, it, it's like still circling the planet in the jet stream. Like, like I, I guarantee you, like I did not pollute the campsite. It, did the you wind have to was, hang on to the door handle oh my, while you were? Like I thought I was going to like tumbleweed yeah. across the campground. It was a little freaky too, because there was some weird flapping noise that went on all night. Not- all night long in the wind and it did sound like somebody was kind of trying to get in the door i think it was uh i think it was our neighbors Mm -hmm. they had a a tent on top of their jeep and i think they had a flap that was that was moving but Mm -hmm. so so basically not a whole lot of sleep was happening in that teardrop trailer that night but that was we still had a lot of fun I, I, I wouldn't want to do do that particular evening a, a second time. Yeah. But uh, the next day we got up and. You were going to cook me I, a nice oh, breakfast. I, well, I was going to cook, you know, uh, bacon and eggs. And so I get up. I didn't sleep much. And so at about maybe 5.15, I noticed that there was no more wind sound. So I thought. I'm just going to go out and see what it's like. And it's so it's now like like 530. No wind. It was so nice out there. It was like a Christmas miracle. The the feely big fins went away <laughs> and I get out the jet boil and I'm making coffee. And it was like a practical joke. Like by 545, the wind was back to like 50 miles an hour and um, I was trying to, you know, keep the jet boil from flying out of my hands, so that uh, we 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 didn't have like the the campfire breakfast. We no, got we didn't. Up and and uh, yeah, because our next stop was Joshua Tree National Park. So we decided that it would be time to start heading in that direction. And I just remember when we got in the truck to drive down there, and you turned the heater on. It was like the best thing ever yeah, exactly like i'm gonna sleep in <laughs> i'm gonna sleep in the driver's seat yeah yeah for sure so i think it, it took us about um about two hours to get to our next campground which was indian cove in uh, joshua tree and that is on the north side of the park and it's located about halfway between the two towns of uh 29 palms and the little town of joshua tree yeah, I, we must have gotten there like 9 a.m. We did. You I know, remember because it wasn't check-in time. No, I think we, check-in time was like 2. And it felt like the middle of the day yeah. for us. Yeah. And so we got this particular – I think you had reserved this campsite. And when you reserve these campsites like on recreation.gov, you just – you see the map and you find an open mm-hmm. spot. And so you got – Campsite number twenty-two. Right, and there weren't uh, there weren't very many left when I got on to get them. There wasn't a very big choice at that time. So we drive through the campground, and we see like we see twenty-one, and we see twenty-three, and we see twenty-four, and, and like no twenty-two. No. And we kept circling the campground, and couldn't find number twenty-two. So finally, I I stopped on the side of the road. And went up to this gentleman who was sitting in a lawn chair at number, I think, number 23. And I just asked him, I said, do you know where campsite 22 is? And he didn't even speak. He just like (laughs) pointed to the ground at his feet, like in front of like his his lawn chair. And 
I'm like, there's, there was like 12 feet wide path, uh, like where you would put the trailer. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And he had, he, I, I think he had been there a while. In it that long like, like a, a mm-hmm. few days, mm-hmm. and he wasn't gonna move anytime soon. He had several kids like riding big wheels around him and stuff. And I just looked at that, knowing that no way how how good I am at backing stuff up. Mm-hmm. Like there was no way. Literally, had had I put the trailer in to give you enough space on one side to open the trailer door to you know, get inside the. The other door would like hit him in the knees. Yeah. If if we opened it up on the other side, so I th- I thought, well, this yeah. is this isn't going to work. So. No, we don't want to be that close to to anybody. So to make a long story short, we went to the ranger station. We found another site, and it was mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Yeah, and I have to say that campground is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a great camp. There are, yeah, it's in the area of the Wonderland of Rocks, which is pretty, is really the best way to describe the campground uh, because there are these huge boulders everywhere. And a lot of the campsites are separated by boulders. So you have a sense of privacy. Now, obviously, our our campsite number 22 wasn't, but but the new campsite we had was fantastic. Yeah. And they're spectacular at night because if you have a little campfire, then the fo- the light from the fire bounces off the rocks and it's just it, it's great for like some night photographs anyway mm-hmm. we we had our little spot and i did finally get to cook a campfire meal i we like what we have we had ravioli and yeah and we had uh chicken sausages oh, yeah. we, we had a feast and it was it right. a beautiful night yeah. yeah oh and i should say before we had dinner we did go on a hike we didn't want to spend a lot of time driving around to, you know, go into the park and, and go on a hike. So actually on the same access road that you enter the campground, there is the trailhead for the Boy Scout Trail. That Boy Scout Trail runs for, gosh, probably at least 10 miles. But we hiked, I don't know, maybe three miles or so and turned around and came back and just to stretch our legs. Yeah, and, get a little exercise. Yeah, in. it was beautiful. So, so it was a good day. We had a great evening and a great dinner. But after we got in bed and fell asleep... It got to be freezing that night. Freezing. <laughs> it was. It was the. Uh, it was a cold trip. Mm, <laughs> the whole trip yeah. was cold. Yes. Yeah. And I still had the down jacket on that I. Oh, had, I know. You never. T- every single picture of you I have from the entire trip, you're wearing that same down jacket. And then, unfortunately, when we woke up in the morning, the wind was back. <laughs> yeah. So windy. that was kind of the story of the trip so far. And that particular site that we had, we had only had it for one night. Because somebody else was had it for that night. So right. we had to go through the routine again. Now, that next day was a Monday. Mm-hmm. And so we went back to the ranger station and, and had to, you know, find another spot. But the ranger there, she said, well, being a Monday, a lot of the spots are open. Sure, because so, people were leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. We found another one in the back area yeah. of, of the on a back loop that was that was perfect so we we packed up got the the trailer to the new site and then we're but matt back it up you make it sound so simple it was not that simple <laughs> we had to drive around and look at every single site you know how picky you are oh yeah well i mean we uh, check where the rocks are where the picnic table is where the 
fire grate is, the little fire pit. And so there's a lot, lot of factors. Mm-hmm. And then you have to find one that you can back into, which for me is not not easy. So yeah, yeah. It, so took, it took a while. It did take a while. And I would I sat in the truck as you would get out and sort of walk um, walk through each one, basically with a clipboard in hand doing an inspection. But um, but the one you found was fantastic. In fact, I think it was even better the second night. So now that we had a new site, we were able to drop the trailer off and take the truck into the park. And so that that was our first full day mm-hmm. in the park. And we went to the the, the ranger station that was further to the west. Yeah, there's a big ranger station in the little town of Joshua Tree, right outside one of the main entrances into the park. So we went in there and stood in line and waited to talk to one of the rangers for some suggestions. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of great hikes in the park. Um, we've done Ryan Mountain is a great one. It's Ryan kind of Peak, a yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a stair step. It's got some altitude to it, yeah. uh, but some incredible views from the top. Yeah, at the mm. top, it's, I, I think, panoramic view. Yeah. And then the one you love, what is that, Lost Horse Mine? Mm-hmm. We've done that a couple times. That's a very cool hike. So anyway, we were looking for some suggestions of, of a new hike to do, and and the ranger set us up. She recommended that we hike in the Black Rock Canyon area, which was a little bit to the west, and it's actually kind of a, a remote section of the park. Not a lot of people there. There is a campground. So we headed over there. She had recommended a hike called Panor- Panorama Peak or Panoramic Peak. Panor- yeah, Panorama Loop. It was a loop. Mm-hmm. And again, we maybe because it was a Monday, we saw like one other mm-hmm. couple yeah. on, on the entire hike. And it was... And it had an elevation gain. I mean, it felt like, I mean, you really got a workout, you know, maybe not as as hard as Ryan Peak, but but pretty close. Yeah, I think, especially at the end, I think there was about a 1,200-foot elevation gain up to this ridgeline, and then you hike along the ridgeline, so you've got views in every direction. And the whole hike was about six and a half miles round trip, but it's a fantastic one. And one of the reasons I wanted to do it is because the ranger had said that this area of the park has some of the largest Joshua trees oh, yeah. in the and entire park. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I have – we'll post this on our website, but I have a picture of you under walking under a Joshua tree that is like – it's like a Joshua tree on steroids. Right. It's huge. And they don't know how old the Joshua trees are because it's – a Joshua tree does not have growth rings like other trees do. So that it's there's they don't really know how old they are. Uh yeah, but they were huge mm-hmm. huge trees on that on that hike. So as usual, the the ranger was spot on. And you know, I have to say we always get great advice from rangers. And so it's just, you know, if you're looking for something to do, I think it, it, you can never go wrong asking a ranger for for suggestions for hikes because they know they know the best areas to go. That was our last day at Joshua Tree. So we were on our way from there to Death Valley. And uh, what's what's funny is we we wrote. So this particular trip we wrote about in Dear Bob and Sue season three. And so people have asked us like how how we write the books, like do we take notes and you know, cuz we write the books like several months after the trip. And so one of the things we do is for a, a given day that we write the email for, we first list out all the things that happened that day and I just make notes to myself mm-hmm. 
of, of things I want to cover in the email. And um, when we were writing the book for this particular day, it was so funny because I wrote all my notes out just like in, in really rough format. And when I got done looking at them, I thought, well, this is just good, just the way it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, so we published in the book Matt's random notes from that day. Basically, it was, um, yeah, so it was the day we woke up and drove to Death Valley National Park. So I'm going to read some of them okay. for that email mm. entry for uh, this was what? This was February 13th, 2018. So I said, uh, first one was woke up so cold, I was ready to give up on life. <laughs> <laughs> You and I, think me I, both. I think I had scribbled that out a piece of paper and put it like in the truck somewhere. Uh, Karen says we're too soft to be campers. Mm, and uh, we are. Obvious. Mm -hmm. Spent 20 minutes looking for the only clean T-shirt I had left. So I thought I knew I had one clean T-shirt. And this is like day three or something. Mm -hmm. And I finally gave up later. Like while we were driving, I realized because I was I felt my shirts. I had it on. It yeah, was you like had the, on everything had you it, bought. I had it on between two other shirts. Um, here's another note. Camping truth. No matter how many wet wipes you bring, it's never enough. We lost all sense of cleanliness. <laughs> uh, all of our silverware was equally dirty. So if you did, the, the, the deal is as long as there's no food still on the fork, it's clean. Sure. That yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah. What else? Karen said to me this morning. You just dried the inside of your coffee cup with the same towel you just wiped the tailgate of the truck down with. And that worried, and that worried me. It's like, yeah. And, and the problem is uh, we were finally able to cook breakfast over a campfire and you wanted your eggs runny. So we had this long conversation about not only should you not have runny eggs, but nothing in life is good when it's runny. Oh, yeah. Here's another note. Karen, Karen says she's been burning her used toilet paper, but I keep finding it in the map pocket of the truck on your side. Well, so, like I, I, I don't know how those two things could be true at the same those, time. That was Kleenex. So I was just going to decide we were going to sell the truck when we get home. Um, oh, and then here's like after three days of camping. The only reason I didn't give up on life is because on our way from the campsite to Death Valley, we were going to go through town and go to McDonald's mm -hmm, for breakfast or I get a sausage biscuit with egg and everything would be fine. I think it's the only time I've ever seen a McDonald's closed. I know. So random and disappointing. Yeah. I, there should be a rule. I know. Like if you're going to, if you own a McDonald's and you close it, like I don't care for what reason, for just like one day, you should have to like put covers over the sign and take the golden arches down. Like you can't, you can't have a McDonald's and have it be closed. I so I was, I was, that ready, was a bummer. Ready to give up on life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those were some of the, I, I, I mentioned that like I was, after three days of camping, I was down one hole on my belt mm -hmm. and I was eating Christmas cookies every morning for, for breakfast. So, I... uh, One thing you didn't mention that I recall in vivid detail because it's etched on my brain is when you tried to race the freight train through the intersection. Yeah, and we won. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could see it. We could we see it from miles yeah. away. And I, um, uh -huh. I knew that I was... You wanted I, to beat that arm coming down. The I, ding, ding. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I was going to beat the train and you were so scared. You put your feet up on the dashboard and you couldn't speak. All you were, all you did, you kept going, ding, 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 ding. Like you were <laughs> trying you like, to that, think that it was, was closing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, that was insane. I mean, like, what are we like Thelma and Louise all of a sudden? No, we, we, we made it. <sighs> I know. Barely. Yeah. So one more note. My Fitbit says I haven't slept in three days. And that I think is actually pretty no, no, accurate. No, definitely. Pretty that accurate. was definitely true. So, so, but we had really high hopes about Death Valley because we knew it would be warmer. And um, we love Death Valley. I don't know. We've been there maybe half a dozen times now. So it is the largest national park in the lower 48 states. It's massively huge. It's huge. It's, and, it's mostly in California, but some of it's in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And they have mountains that rise as high as 11,000 feet. And also, fun fact, 93% of the park is designated wilderness. Our campsite reservation was in the Furnace Creek campground. Mm -hmm. So we pulled in there and it has like every campsite is uh, a paved pad. Yeah. uh, And uh, so very different situation the opposite of Indian Cove. And I have to say it was a little disappointing just because there was zero privacy. You're looking at everyone across from you, next to you, behind you. There were no trees. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty ugly, you have to say. Well, it, it had nice toilets. It did. The saving grace was it had flush toilets of and course, running water. Every every campsite, the cement the the concrete pad is in nice perfect order except for that there was this one site that was kind of in an odd spot where it was kind of hard to back in and of course that was ours of course it was and so i i kept trying to back the trailer into the site and i kept missing it and uh there was a whole crowd of people watching you. yeah yeah <laughs> that whole That's thing took a, like life. over an hour it took a while yeah, yeah it took a while to get get our little tiny teardrop uh situated in that but um but yeah it's a big campground it's right uh right adjacent to the furnace creek visitor center so so it's a great location yeah so when we had to go to the restroom you could have depending on what time of day it is at night. I think they closed those visitor center restrooms, but we were close enough to the visitor center. You mm-hmm. go to the restroom in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, so it was yeah. very convenient. And we did some hikes from there, but then the next day, Valentine's it was day. Valentine's day. Very, very <laughs> uh, big day. I had uh-huh. already given you your gift. So I was good there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we we learned a tip from someone. I forget how we learned this, but the Furnace Creek, it's kind of like a resort, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it has a new name now. It's called it's the, the Oasis. Or the Ranch at Furnace Creek. Yeah, they keep know. changing the name. It's, it's something it, else. Yeah. But uh, at the time, I think they still do, they had a pool. And so if you stayed at the Furnace Creek Ranch, you had like a motel room, you could also then use the pool. But if you don't stay there, you can get buy a day pass for like, I don't know, it's like five, something like five bucks. Yeah. And then you have pool privileges, which you also get. They have restrooms there with showers. Nice showers. So uh, I that was your that was your other Valentine's Day present. I, I wanted to keep the theme to personal hygiene for that particular <laughs> Valentine's Day. 
And so I bought you a day pass and myself a day pass. I splurged. Yeah. And so the next morning we were up at like, I think we got up at like 630 mm-hmm. and like hiked over. We had our backpacks. We were ready to go. And then they're like, no, the pool doesn't open till eight. Yeah. We had so to wait like, well, what are we going to do for the next hour and a half? So, um. We went back at eight o'clock. And-, and it was one of the best showers I've ever had. I mean, we were really dirty by then. So, yeah, we hot showers and clean clothes, the last of the clean clothes. So the day started out really, really great. And then we came back. It was too early to hike. I don't, I don't know why. It was we only des- like nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So we decided we were going to just sit at the campsite, it wasn't windy anymore, so mm, the wind was, was nice. gone, and we're just going to make coffee and sit at the campsite. And so I got all the stuff out and making coffee, and we're sitting in our chairs. And then we realized, and I think we may have realized before, but it like hit us at that point as we're sitting there drinking our coffee, is that our site was right across from the dump station. Yeah. Well, it hit us because people started pulling so up to use the, the dump station. The line started forming. <laughs> and at this point, we were just so relaxed. It's like, yeah, ah, we don't care. Like, this, is, this, this will be the entertainment uh-huh. for the next hour. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> this one RV pulls up. <laughs> well, first of all, one guy pulls in and he's like, like the expert. I mean, he was like in and out in like three minutes and like, I learned a lot from his his efficiency. The next guy pulls in, he gets out, and he has two kids with him. Like they're, I don't know, maybe like six and eight, a mm-hmm. boy and a girl. And he clearly doesn't know how to use the dump station, which is, I'm not being critical of no, that because like, I, I don't know either. Right. But like he was – he was like using the hose that you're supposed to hose the RV off with after you're done with the dump station, dump dump activity. He was using that hose to fill his water tank. I uh. mean, like just and then the kids were like they were, you know, playing tag and they were they were in and around the hole that you put the sewage pipe in. Like it was just it was cringeworthy. It was cringeworthy. We couldn't look away. But that was that was. <laughs> Our uh, Valentine's morning coffee <laughs> entertainment. Mm-hmm. You were doing, as I recall, you were doing a play-by-play, like yeah. um, like a sports announcer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were yeah. critiquing everyone. So yeah. we learned a lot, though. Mm-hmm. From we, all, well, we all... did. Yeah, because I mean, we've only had that one dump station experience. So I think now I think I... you've learned a lot. So that <laughs> I think you learned enough that now you can do. I was actually sitting in that camp chair. I was closer to this dump station than I was to the dump station in Catalina State Park when you dumped our RV. Yeah. So I was surprised mm-hmm. one of the kids didn't fall in the oh, hole, the guys, yeah. the guy with the kids, but mm-hmm. everyone made it. Yeah. Later in that day, we went on a couple of hikes. Well, we went to... Yeah, our first stop was Badwater Basin. And that is, is that the lowest part of the park? Mm-hmm. The, the 282 feet below sea level? Yes. And you were trying, okay, so this was Valentine's Day, and you were trying to get photographs of the salt. So the in the basin, the salt breaks up, the soil breaks up into these interesting crack formations as the salt is kind of making its way up through the through the soil and if you if you walk out far enough in the basin you can get to the undisturbed area Mm -hmm. 
and you kept looking for a heart-shaped section of soil that yes. you were going to get your photograph and right there were all these shapes put and it on every, instagram or whatever every you do time with your i found one that was heart-shaped and i called you over and said matt look what what does this look like you'd say like it's a potato it's a, yeah or they it's all a lima bean yeah. or it was <laughs> there was no you were you were stretching they were hearts the, no I, I don't know. they were hearts well let's just look at the yeah. photos we'll I, put the we'll put the photos yeah. of those uh, on, on our I website think everyone will see hearts they'll see hearts not potatoes russet or, potato <laughs> but uh badwater basin is very cool and you can walk out for a long way and uh yeah that's a very great place to check out in the park there's so many good hikes there yeah uh, in in death valley yeah all throughout death valley we did, we did another one that day the Golden Canyon mm -hmm. area. Yes. And you, I think you can take this Golden Canyon. We did it as a loop. And I think you can take it all the way to Zabriskie Point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple different hikes in that whole we section. We didn't take it that far because that would have added, an, I think, like an extra couple miles. And it was already a long hike. But uh, again... Hardly saw anybody back there. No, and we did the we added on Gower Gulch, so it's called the Gower Gulch Golden Canyon Loop, and it is spectacular. There, you're up in the section that they call the Badlands, and it truly looks like Badlands. And oh my gosh, it is absolutely beautiful up there. Yeah. So gosh, the day was almost over, but we did what, what you we do, always, what you always do, like which is my favorite thing. We we. Went back, to, we stopped back by the uh, trailer briefly and we got a couple of cold beers and put them in our backpacks and we drove to the Mesquite Flat Sand Dunes. And of course, it's a beautiful afternoon at this point, warm and sunny. And and we hiked out and we hiked up to the top of some sand dunes and we plopped ourselves in the sand and took off our shoes and, and drank our beer and watched the sunset. And it's kind of how we end every trip to Death Valley. It's one of my, it's yeah, one of my absolute favorite It's a beautiful place. And and even though it can be crowded, there's you can always find a spot on the dunes mm -hmm. that you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, so we saw a pretty sunset, and then when it was over, and we kind of were, you know, shaking the sand off and getting up and packing up our empty beer cans, Matt started back to the truck a few paces ahead of me, and, and I was taking a few last-minute pictures because the sky was turning this beautiful pink. And and so Matt headed down the sand dune, and as I'm looking down at him, I see he kind of stopped and, and turned in a different direction, and he was shuffling his feet and almost like walking in circles. So I called down to you, remember, and I said – what are you doing? Yeah. And you said, close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes and roll down the dunes. Like, follow my voice. Yeah. So I closed my eyes. And then when he told me to open them, I opened them back up. And it was so much better than a toilet. Matt had stamped out with his feet this huge heart in the sand. And... <laughs> Sorry, I can never tell. And he said, you know, because you didn't find your, your heart shapes in Badwater Basin, um, I made you one here. Yeah. And I and, and I had. It's just so romantic. It's one of the most romantic things I you've ever done. I bought you the nicest portable toilet <laughs> I could buy you with a privacy tent. And, and all I had to do is like shuffle my feet in the shape of a heart and on the sand. Like. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I know you don't. Yeah, I know you don't. But it was the sweetest, best Valentine's Day ever. 
ever. So that um, that wrapped up our camping part of the trip. The the next day we had to you know drive back to Vegas and uh, give Milan his trailer back and then start towards home. But as we made our way back to Seattle, we talked about you know the differences in renting an RV versus renting a teardrop, the pros and the cons. Yeah, and what. You did the write up for mm-hmm. in, in season three, mm-hmm. kind of the the pros and cons. What in, yeah. in your your opinion, how are they different? So obviously the RV is a lot more comfortable. And one thing we really enjoyed about the RV, I think we might have mentioned in the in the podcast episode, is you know there's a a, a table with booths on either side where we could play cards and games, and we had our laptops, and and of course there was a kitchen and a bathroom. So definitely the RV is more comfortable. That that's a that's a plus right there. One of the cons of the RV, of course, is there are a lot fewer places that you can camp with an RV, right? Somewhat. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the little one, that 19-footer we rented, you can get it in a, in a lot of places. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, you, you have more options with the teardrop. Right. And, you know, rugged roads, I don't know how well that RV would have done on some of the rugged yeah, roads be, that we like be to be better in the rugged teardrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the teardrop, we really did like it a lot. It was comfortable. I think that our mistake was it's not a winter thing to do. No, no, <laughs> we're not. We're not doing winter camping anymore. No. So if that would have been summer, it would have been fantastic because then, you know, you're not freezing Freeze. at night. You don't have to go to bed at, at seven when it gets dark out. You can sit outside. So that was a rookie mistake. We definitely, I would rent a, a teardrop trailer again and and do it in the summer. And then of course, you know, it's so tiny and we could push it with our hands. So I mean, so there, there are pros and cons to both. Yeah. But I think the advice I would give is check them, check them both out right. and, and rent them like we so did. The, not, not super expensive to rent, no. rent either and, and right. do what we did. If, if you have, if you have the time, do a short trip with a, uh, a rental RV and do one mm-hmm. with a with the trailer and check them out for yourself. Right, and you'll see what you like and don't like, and you know it'll probably it might save you a lot of money down down the road if you decide to purchase one. But you know what my conclusion is? What I think we need to get both. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Well, we have the portable toilet, so we got <laughs> we got that going for us. So we're set. Yeah. <laughs> What is our mailbag question for today? Today's mailbag question comes from Penny in Athens, Georgia, and she wants to know if we have any seasonal tips for planning trips in the national parks. That is a good question because as we went through the parks and as we've traveled, we've kind of by accident have learned certain <laughs> tips and tricks for different seasons. One, which is I know your favorite, <laughs> April is tick season. Oh, in in many places. So we learned that in uh, Teddy Roosevelt National Park, where they we went on a hike there, and it, it, we thought it was raining, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> but not. But it, it wasn't but raining. it wasn't raining rain. It was raining ticks on us. Uh, and then you you had that same experience in Montana one right. time, right? But in in Montana, it was actually in May. I was on a, a girls' trip, hiking trip, and we were covered with ticks when the when the trip was over. So yeah, springtime, April, May is tick season. And then uh, the heat, I guess, uh, kills them. 
or, and, mm-hmm. and, and then they're done for the season. Mm-hmm. Another another tip is we went to Yellowstone one time for Memorial Day thinking well, this is a kickoff to the summer and the roads were closed because <laughs> of a blizzard. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, it was full on winter. Yeah. Full on winter, which uh, actually I think happens a lot at the parks at high elevations. So. Um, so Penny, you might want to, you know, look at the elevations and, and May is not a great time. And plus a lot of the hiking trails are still under snow in May. So, um, so that's something to be aware of when you're planning. But we also found out that anecdotally March turns out to be a great time to hike in Utah. It does. I mean, we've hiked in Utah in the summer and have almost died (laughs) because of the heat, and you think like early March or really any time in March uh, might be too early, but it's it's actually a perfect time. It is. To go to southern Utah. I think it's also a great time to go to the parks we talked about today. Joshua Tree and Death Valley. March is a great time to go. So any of those, I think, southwestern parks, uh, March is ideal. Another seasonal tip if you are into bison. Uh, Who's not? (laughs) There are at least a couple of large bison roundups. So these parks that have large herds of bison and that have to be managed, in other words, they they don't have enough space to just let the herd grow as big as, you know, it it can possibly grow. Custer State Park and Antelope Island State Park in in Utah, they have roundup. and, And I guess these roundups are like, Great festivals. Uh-huh. Uh, they do things. But those are in South Dakota, Custer State Park. That's usually the end of September. Right. Right. And Antelope Island, it's the end of October. You mm-hmm. have to check the dates. Right. Uh, usually they're open to the public. So that's another great seasonal tip. Yes. We haven't been to the Custer State Park one yet. We keep missing it, but I would love to go do that one. Yeah. We just have to. There's there's so many. Well, that's another seasonal tip mm-hmm. because September is usually so busy for us. September is it's it's great almost everywhere yes, in September. It is. That's like the perfect month. Plus, you know, kids go back to school and so the parks are less crowded because all the families are not taking their summer vacations at that time. So the crowds all of a sudden drop off in September and you've got this great weather. So, you know, I uh, practically any park is is phenomenal in September. Now there is one exception I know of. That we have run into and and friends of ours have run into in Glacier National Park. We've been hiking in early September and it was spectacular, just beautiful. And we were having dinner at one of the, I think it was the Swift Current Motor Inn there. And we were asking them, like, when do they close for the season? And the waiter, he jokingly said, oh, we close it that particular year, September 18th, because... On September 19th, it snows. And we thought that was odd because we were there like a week or so before that time. And as it turns out, some friends of ours had planned to camp there that same year, like September 20th, and they got caught in a winter storm warning. Mm -hmm. So uh, Glacier National Park and, and a lot of these places at elevation, it can go from summer to winter in a blink of an eye. 
Right. And uh, I think that's true for Lass and Volcanic, too, that we talked about in the last episode. So I think you always want to you always want to have some winter clothes with you and some layers and kind of be prepared for a little bit of everything in, in September if you're if you're in the higher elevations. Another timing tip that we learned. If you are into hiking and color watching, the larches in North Cascades National Park, when they turn, they're they're spectacular. And usually when they turn, there's other underbrush that's turning brilliant colors. And oftentimes there's snow that, that happens. So the first week in October, it is just spectacular in North Cascades National Park, particularly where the larches are. Yeah, and if if we lost you on this one, because if you don't know what a larch is, we didn't either when we moved to Washington State. I thought it was a bird, yes, for a long time. We would hear people here in Washington say, it's almost time for the larches, it's almost time for the larches, and I thought it was some, you know, migratory bird that was coming in. It's a tree. It looks like like an evergreen tree. Well, it's one of the only conifers that lose their leaves, mm-hmm. lose their needles. And, mm-hmm. and they, they turn, they, it turns it, brilliant gold. Right, right. And they lose their leaves. And then, then they all fall off. Yeah. So there's a very short window. Usually it's early October. I think you already said that. But yeah, they all turn this bright, beautiful yellow gold. And, and it's striking. North Cascades is a fantastic place to go on some hikes and see those. What else? Seasonal tips. We were really surprised about how many great places there are to snowshoe and and do other winter activities we we always thought well, winter time where you you take that time off and not travel to the parks but like snowmobiling in yellowstone was incredible mm-hmm. snowshoeing in the mountains it's not as difficult as it sounds no uh, if you can walk you can snowshoe is kind of the way i look at it and also a lot of these parks they rent snowshoes to visitors. So I know that they do in Glacier National Park and they do at Bryce Canyon National Park. Again, Yellowstone is a fantastic place to snowshoe. Uh, And of course, a lot of people are into cross-country skiing, and that's another great thing to do in these parks. But, you know, as we told you about in this episode, the weather, you know, looking for warm weather in the West in, in January and February is hit and miss. But you can certainly find a lot of snow, so you can go the other way and and take a snow vacation. And the parks are practically empty, and it's really a magical time. I know this is this is a long answer to that question, but last tip. Again, we found this out totally by accident, but a fun thing to work into your mid and late summer travels are rodeos. Check <laughs> all the if you're going to the west and you're. Uh, going through little towns, check the events calendar and catch a rodeo. It's just a hoot. It the, is. The, these small town uh, rodeos are a lot of fun, very Americana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just just work that into your itinerary. 
Yeah, we ended up in Sheridan, Wyoming last summer by accident, just sort of spontaneously. We spent the night there when we were traveling with John and Lolly. And sure enough, the rodeo was in town that weekend. So we were able to buy some tickets from, a, I guess we call it a scalper, although maybe he just had extra tickets. But yeah, there was they were scalping tickets and then the stadium was half full. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of the most fun things we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was. So that's, that's a great thing to do um, when you're traveling in the summer. If you have a question for us, you can send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. Go to facebook.com slash dearbobands, or you can find us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith. We'll review all the questions that come in and we'll be answering them in our mailbag segment on future episodes. To see pictures from our teardrop trailer adventures, go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com and click on the title for the episode 10. There you'll find the show notes for this episode and links to other information. To all of you who've given us a rating or a review, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, Matt and I would really appreciate it if you'd review our show on Apple Podcasts, even if you listen to it on one of the other podcast apps like Google, Spotify, or Stitcher. It helps new listeners find our show. The books that this podcast is based on are available on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. And you can also find more information about us by heading over to www.dearbobandsue.com. Our show is produced by the Miracle Workers over at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. And remember, the way to a woman's heart is with a toilet. I still think that that's the best Valentine's Day gift ever. (laughs) Thank you.